do, everyone? Welcome to the Sons of History podcast. I'm Dustin Bass. And I'm Alan Joaquin. I was almost, I was I was about to introduce you. I was going to say, and that handsome man over on the other camera is Alan Joaquin. Stunning, stellar, sophisticated. How are you, sir? Living the dream, son. Living the dream. What dream would that be? Uh, nightmare. <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. I, I had a feeling you were going to say nightmare. Uh, yeah, it's what we're all living right now. Um, man, I tell you what, this year can't end soon enough. I know, I know. Although I heard that they're thinking of extending December. So, you know, for a 13th month, which I think would be just perfect. I Look, I, I'm I'm actually all for that. So that we can like extend 2020 as long as you need to, to end whatever the hell is going on right now and start 2021 afresh. <laughs> so like, uh, you know, uh, well, 2020 was a 16 month year. It was uh, really incredible. It was terrible, but uh, we got yeah. through it. And I tell you what, January 1st, 2021, it was just, uh, it was really quite amazing. Well, I'm, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen when Jupiter and Saturn uh, converge and I mean, is there going to be a uh, Antichrist born? Uh, what's uh, well? Yeah. I mean, hey, we we might as well. It's been that. Uh, it has been that kind of year. Yeah. Or maybe he he's already born. He's just going to declare himself. Hello, everyone. You see the sign? Yeah. Could be. Could be. Could be. Yeah. No. That's what, what Satan does. He steals everything from Jesus. A month after uh, December twenty first. Be January twenty first, the first full day of the new administration. Yeah, could be. I wonder. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Just a thought. Yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway, that's that's just me. Uh, I'm digressing here. Yeah, yeah. We always digress. Well, everyone, we hope that you uh, had a great week last week. We hope that you enjoyed uh, the podcast, whether you listened to it on uh, your podcast or if you listened to it and watched it on YouTube. Um, so that was, that was good. And that's something that we are going to be doing from now here on out is posting our podcast up on YouTube, uh, moving forward. So did you happen to watch yourself, uh, on YouTube from this past week's podcast? Dude, I've been been putting 12 hour days at work. Okay. Okay. All right. I I didn't phrase the question as, Hey, why didn't you watch? Cause I don't know, but why didn't you watch yourself on just answer the question. Don't give I, me this. Because, I, I, I can't people, stand it when people do that. It's always you know, a one-up. Look, look, it's always a one-up. If you woke I up don't. at 7 a.m., somebody marches in and says, oh, yeah, I woke up at 6. And somebody else is going to march in and say, oh, yeah, I woke up at 4.30. I haven't slept in 48. So yeah, just get out of here. It's I know what's going to happen. I'm going to say, no, I didn't. And then you're just going to unleash a torrent of these, like, well, why didn't you? I oh, mean, what so kind of a, it's a, it's what, a defense what kind of a mechanism. message are you sending? It's a the defense message I'm mechanism. Sending, I get you. <laughs> the, yeah. Well, see, because I'm I like playing chess, so I I figured uh, what you were gonna what you were gonna say ahead of the game. So, so you were like that question isn't really I, about that question, <laughs> right? It's gonna lead into something. So God, I am a terrible person. I really am, and I don't mean Sometimes. that like self loathing. <laughs> Like I'm not one of the just the typical self self loathing white guys uh, that runs around uh, in the hemisphere here. I really am a terrible person. 
Because Jared, I think, feels the same way. My business partner, he feels the same way. I think he thinks, like, when I ask him a question, it's really not about the question. It's something I'm about to come right at him. I really got to stop that. And I think it's my passive aggressiveness that has really usurped my ability to communicate with my fellow man. Were you ever a reporter? Yes. I was a journalist. There's the problem. There you go. That, That explains it then. Yeah, that was that's a real problem. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. So we're going to be talking about a question that you have uh, that you wanted to pose during this conversation, which is, did we actually win the Cold War? And we're going yes, to talk about that, whether <laughs> we did or not. Because I, yeah, mm. I mean, I, I, I know the answer to it, but, yeah. uh, you know. But before we get to the answer, book and movie recommendations. And I tell you what. People leave a lot of comments, and they really do enjoy our book and movie recommendations. I really think they're going to like ours uh, this week. You've got three, so I'll let you go ahead and get started. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to do a movie recommendation, although Mm -hmm. I did buy Gunfight at the OK Corral, which, by the way, if you go to the Sons of History, you will see the video, not video, a visual history of the Gunfight at the OK Corral. You uh, You mean the Facebook page? On Facebook, yeah. Tombstone. Yeah, I watched Tombstone. I watched White Earp. Loved them both. I just purchased Gunfight at the OK Corral, which was filmed, I think, in the 50s, mm-hmm. something. Um, so I'm going to watch that. Uh, but anyway, OK, so the three books, because this has to do with the subject at hand. Yeah. All right. The first one is by Kenneth Lloyd Billingsley. It's called Hollywood Party. Now, what is this about, you ask? It's about how the Soviet Union and the communists uh, seduced the American film industry in the 1930s and the 1940s. Have you heard of the Hollywood, the Hollywood 10, the Hollywood blacklist? That's what this is about. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the stuff in here. All right. What happened really, I mean, it really did happen. Right. Okay, the next is called The Devil's Pleasure Palace by Michael Walsh. Now, this has to do with now, the Frankfurt is that about, School. Oh, okay. I thought that was uh, your old college dorm. Okay. No, I never lived in a college dorm. Oh, never mind. Although I, I did what I was saying. Why would you ruin that joke? Uh, because I don't get it. I know what you're saying, but... <laughs> no, you get it. <laughs> you get the it. Pleasure Palace. <laughs> you get it, you liar. No. <laughs> like, that's what they called my bedroom, but that's it. See, that's <laughs> what know? I was... That's what I was That's going neither for. neither here nor there. Why but would I you do that? A, I never lived in a dorm. Okay. I hate this joke no. that I just did. Yeah, it's not, not funny. But I, I, I appreciate the attempt. I bet you people they, laughed. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Anyway, okay, this is about the Frankfurt School, critical theory, so uh, or the cult of critical theory. So we will talk about that, too. Okay. And finally... Roger Scruton, Fools, Frauds, and Firebrands. Roger Scruton, good man. Thinkers of the New Left. And he asks the question, why did the humanities department always, always follow leftists? I mean, it's like, hey, let's listen to leftists and let's abide by what they have to say. Yeah. And he addresses that and he, and he, and he names names. He names, he names names. names. I, I have a few myself, like Russo, which I do have a, in a book. 
I do have a couple of copies of Rousseau. I, I like to look at the difference between Hobbes and Rousseau. You know, there's kind of a, you know, they kind of clash. Um, yeah. A lot of communist thinking follows the Rousseau thinking. Right, so, right. Yeah. Anyway, so those are, uh, those are my three and books. And not that and, there's and we'll anything wrong with listening to the left or the or leftists, but there's got to be some type of balance, and there's not. Not in, not in, uni- not in university. That is correct. That is correct. No, it, it's good to listen. I look, I... I mean, I read some of these books. I've got the Communist Manifesto. I have Das Kapital. I have uh, Mein Kampf. I've got uh, Saul Alinsky. I like to read what the uh, what the uh, opposition. You have to read what the opposition thinks. Correct. I have, I have all those guys. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have quite a yeah, library. Yeah, you got a library. Okay, move on. Yeah. All right, so here's my book and movie recommendation. My book recommendation is by a guy by the name of Graham Greene, and it is called The Quiet American. So if you've never read this book or you never watched the movie with Michael Caine, it is, it, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good story. Um, it's, a, it's a strange story, but it's about, it's in the, um, the era of the Vietnam War, sort of early in. CIA, um, British intelligence, uh, they are really conflicting and, uh, it, it really talks about the idea of the CIA trying to help the situation, um, while at the same time making it worse. He really does make the CIA, uh, come out to be sort of a guy that is really naive, um, or just wrongheaded. Uh, but it is, it is a, it's a good it's a good book. It's a good story. Um, and if you're looking for a, a different type of spy novel, that is a pretty quick read. Uh, the quiet American by Graham Greene. Graham Greene is a British classic, uh, writer. He died some time back. Um, anyways, check that out. Now my movie recommendation, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but it is one of my favorite movies. Uh, it is called the third man. Have you ever seen that? Uh, no, I've never even heard of it. The Third Man with Orson Welles. It was, it was made, I think, in 1949. So <laughs> shortly out after the end of World War II. Um, man, it has some really powerful lines. And speaking of lines, actually, it's based off of the story by our good friend Graham Greene. Uh, so it's if you've never, honestly, dude, if you've never watched The Third Man, mm-hmm. you really you really do have to... You really have, that's one of those movies that you really have to see. I think it's like a top 10 on AFI's uh, top 100 movies. So really, yeah, yeah okay. it's I really no, good. Top 10, top 20, somewhere in there, but it's a really good. And Orson Welles plays such a great villain. Um, and it's Orson Welles and Joseph Cotton. So yeah, if you haven't watched it, um, check it out. Orson Welles, I think also helped uh, with the screenplay, adopt, adapting the screenplay. So Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So All right. let's let's get right to it, my friend, shall we? Okay. Um, All right. Let's start a little early in in the dis- in the discussion of the threat of communism. Communism. That is, uh, and then we're going to lead into the Cold War. But the early beginnings of communism. You want to touch on the French Revolution, um, things that were going on in Europe in the middle of the 19th century as well uh, primarily obviously in in france that's where a lot of crap was going down 
Yeah. France and Germany, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, the, uh, grateful for Germany. They, uh, gave us Nazism and communism, but it's uh, so, it's so ridiculous, man. Like when you, when you look at it, Germany doesn't get the blame for communism. Like in just general conversation, it's always Russia or, or maybe, yeah, well, maybe China, but it's, it's, or, or maybe France, but it's never, it's never, it's never Germany. It's like, that's right. where the, the German Germany warfare. released, Germany released a virus. Yeah. Germ warfare. But germ, Germany. What yeah. they, yeah. Like friends, you know, and you know what, let, let, let's talk about that because, you know, the French revolution was, um, you know, we we talked about comparison, comparing the American Revolution with the French Revolution and the mm-hmm. Russian Revolution and the Spanish Revolution, uh, or, or not the Spanish Civil War. And you know, we we compared how the American Revolution dealt with you know it was God fearing men that you, tied it in with you know religion and tied it in with capitalism and tied it in with freedom and all that. If you compare it to like what happened in France, what happened in the Russian revolutions, and those those were communistic revolutions the french revolution was and uh wow i can't believe my heater just turned on uh but yeah the the french revolution you had you had radicals that wanted something very similar to communism and Mm -hmm. in 1848 you had revolutions throughout europe that were trying to overthrow many of the aristocracies uh, the kingdoms uh that was uh supported by the liberals and but but ended in failure uh, but it, it helped Marx and Engels write the Communist Manifesto. It, it led to writing uh, Das Kapital. And, you know, I looked to see, like, how many volumes of works that those two had written. And there were, there were quite a bit, more than just those two. They wrote quite a bit about, um, and including Lenin. Lenin also, uh, those guys wrote a lot of volumes of books on how to deal with many, many topics, mm-hmm. uh, socialism, the uh, economics, families, blah, blah, blah. But but then, you know, now, the Russian Revolution, now here's where Germany kind of uh, spread the virus. Uh, Lenin was held up in Switzerland. They put him in a train and dumped him in uh, Russia, and he infected the country with communists. I think uh, what Churchill identified the train car as an obelisk in, in one of his writings, in one of his... Uh... Did he? Yeah, one of his describe. I don't know if it was an article or a letter that he wrote. Yeah, but very yeah. descriptive, well, very you know matter of fact. I don't think I don't think Germany quite understands. I mean, to this day, the uh, the repercussions of that move we're still feeling it to this day. Mm-hmm. So you know, the uh, one of the things that uh, once the Soviet Union was taken over, or or once the Soviets took over Russia and and it became the Soviet Union, there were a lot of men, Ho Chi Minh, Mao Zedong. They got their training in in the new Soviet Union. Yeah. Uh, colonial, colonialism and imperialism equals capitalism. So if you want to get rid of colonialism and imperialism, you have to get rid of capitalism. Right. And, yeah, I mean, it was the basis of, obviously, you know, the bourgeoisie versus the proletariat or the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie, however you want to say it. I mean, and it was it was always strictly class warfare. That's the very beginning. I think that's the first line uh, in the Communist Manifesto is the history is strictly about class warfare. Right. 
Okay, now let's touch on that later on when we're talking about what we're seeing today, because yeah. the bourgeois and the proletariat has been replaced. But now the uh, the key words that's that's used is the patriarchy, mm-hmm. uh, white privilege, yeah, uh, colonialism, the colonists, colonialists, stuff like that. Um, that's now the key word because there's a form of deception that's being used today. Instead of using uh, bourgeois and proletariat, they're using, you know, the key words that I just mentioned: the, right. the patriarchy and uh, and white privilege. So. Okay, now, the Frankfurt School and Critical Theory, which is uh, what that, that devil's pleasure palace <laughs> talk, talks about. Um, they, they brought about critical theory, which is a form of nihilism. Uh, just mm-hmm. question everything. And it was, you know, they, they fled, uh, they fled uh, Nazi Germany. They came, you know, they came into the United States. And they started spreading their seeds of a of communism mm-hmm. all over academia. I mean, all over academia. They took over slowly, not announcing it like, "Hey, this is what we're gonna do," but they. But what they did was, you know, let's question everything. Yeah. Why do we have the system that we're using? We don't believe in God, you know. Uh, it just, I, I. I I recommend that people read up on what critical theory really is, mm-hmm. how it came about, and how it's going to affect your thinking. If let's say you know you have uh, religious feelings, like whether you're a Christian, uh, if you're Jewish, if you're a Muslim, mm-hmm. it's going to adversely affect the way you think. Right. It's going to adversely because, affect your children. Yeah, I mean, because you question everything and you only find the negative in it. Therefore, you have to destroy it and start over. And right. it is the, the communist method of the pursuit of perfection. Like you're just looking for something that's perfect. And it's like there is, there is no such thing as perfection. There is Jesus Christ and God and that's it, you know. Our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. it. So this idea of perfection requires you to continue to start over and over and over again and question everything, destroy it at its roots. Um, the critical theory has now taken on a different type of, I guess, uh, aspect with the critical race theory. So everything is seen through the lens of race in a critical Method. So everything that's been done is seen through the lens of race, especially even in moments where there's like, there's no race involved. And so that requires you to, to call everything racist or um, xenophobic or whatever. And okay, you got to crush that. You got to start over. And they, they tried that. And actually they're starting to try it again in the legal studies, it was it's it was called critical legal studies, and I was reading an article a while back. I think it was a, a Harvard or a Yale article, and he was and he and he labeled it the question that killed critical legal studies, and the question was, well, what are you going to replace it with? And it's how do you replace actual justice? And so. You have to find something else. And then what you replace justice with is actually not justice, which is what you and I have talked about, which is social justice. 
which is not justice at all. Right. It's, I, it's, it's, uh, come up. It's, yes. really, it's, uh, uh, it's retaliation. Mm-hmm. Um, now what you were just discussing right now, you know, they, they, they just, they like to discourage American exceptionalism right, uh, and replace it with a uh, European central European nihilism. And, and they've done this very quickly. Now, if you look, we're going to talk about Howard Zinn, Howard Zinn, that's one of the things that he, that his, his weapons, because what he does is he questions how could America exist as a nation when the founder was, if you go back to Christopher Columbus, he came here strictly to uh, enslave the Indians. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, well, why are we looking at George Washington and Thomas Jefferson as the inspiration to this nation when they themselves are slave owners? We can't have a country founded on those three people, Columbus, Jefferson, and Washington. Therefore, are we, we, I mean, we have to really question who we really are. Yeah. And what's interesting on that point about, uh, no, the founding fathers, no good, all of this, no good. It's just like, but the Judeo-Christian values built upon the apostles and obviously Jesus Christ, well, that's no good either. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, you reach perfection, but no, 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 that's no good. Judeo-Christian values are, are made fun of in mass, uh, especially in academia and in Hollywood and in politics. Yeah. Well, politics on the left. So it's, 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 more, it's becoming increasingly more so on the left. Not everyone, obviously, I don't want to just uh, paint it with a broad brush, but not everyone in the Democrat Party does, but it's getting increasingly and rapidly, increasingly uh, to where Judeo-Christian values are, are just silly, they're, you know, they're unnecessary, and they're wrong, wrong, wrong. You know what I find ironic is just that in, in, in a country such as the United States, where Christian, the Christian church flourishes, uh, there is freedom for everybody, Muslims, Jews, Hindus, Buddhists, even atheism, whatever. But in where, where they, the communism, if you go to a communist country, all religion is suppressed. Yeah. There is no religion. You can't, you can't do it. So it, I find it ironic that but at a lot least, of people But at least spouse, it's not a theocracy. Uh, yep, yep. So it's funny how a lot of the people on the left who like to sit and condemn the Christian church, but they'll speak highly of maybe some other religions. Yeah. If they get what they want, all religion is going to be suppressed, exactly. not just the Christian church. So, um, so anyway, so that's... So, yeah, so we wanted and, to um, touch on, obviously, the, the, the critical theory. Um, mm-hmm. critical moved into critical legal studies, critical race theory. It's all effing screwed up. Uh, right. you, you touch that stuff. You have to, you burn stuff down with it and people need to understand that there's the, it, it's idealism, but extremely dangerous idealism. And speaking of nihilism, uh, sort of the Frankfurt, uh, school of nihilism, uh, the, the nihilist of nihilists. Ooh, I can see me in, uh, in the reflection, the nihilist of, of nihilist. Uh, would you freaking stop idiot? Anyways, the nihilist of nihilists is, uh, Frederick Nietzsche, who was 
question yes. everything, get rid of everything. Right. There is no such thing as morality. There is no such thing as truth. There is, you know, and religion is a joke and especially Christianity. It's just like, yeah, question right. everything, destroy everything. And yet at the same time, he would say in his, I think it's the will to power, pretty sure it's the will to power, where you're going to have to destroy Christianity, morality, religion, but you're going to more or less, you're going to have to put something in its place that's going, that has to look exactly like what we just tore down. Right. Now, the nihilism and existentialism are two different things, but I think mm -hmm. Nietzsche supported both of them. You think who Nietzsche. supported? Now, I believe Nietzsche supported both nihilism and existential ex existentialism. existentialism yeah thank you thank you they're two different things they're closely related but they're mm -hmm. not exactly the same but but Nietzsche was known to be kind of a supporter of both and wasn't uh, Jean-Paul Sartre a big existentialist as well uh that I don't know but he is one of the people that I'm going to mention Indeed. later on remember okay. remember uh this book here that I mentioned where he names names yeah He's Sar one of the, Sar he's, Sartre? He's Jean, one of is it Jean-Paul? Jean-Paul Sartre. Sartre. I've always heard it as Sartre, but it's probably the, the American-English way of saying it. So, yeah, well, let's let's laziness. Have a, let's have a fresh Sartre and uh, begin again with the... <laughs> what? Sartre. Fresh, uh, no, that was anyway. trash. That yeah. was worse than my... That was way worse than my joke about the Devil's Palace, Pleasure Palace. At least mine made sense. Mine at least had some type of correlation. Yours, you you totally took a last name and tried to make it into a word. That wasn't actually the same. I know. All I know. right, let's I move know. on to communism in the West, how it moved off okay. into the West. Um, right. now, you, you remember the Red Scare? Oh, yeah, I do. I, I, I remember okay. growing up being scared out of my mind. That, uh, you're being paranoid, right? Yeah. Wrong! And they will still talk about that. Yeah. They will still say uh, it was paranoia. Right. Well, we've found out that that's not the case. And now, uh, the Venona Project, ever heard of that? I have. Okay. Now, the Venona Project was a counterintelligence program that decrypted about 3,000 messages from the Soviet Union between 1943 and 1980. Um, now, that it started with the OSS, which was the precursor to the CIA, right. uh, the National Security Council, uh, NSA. Or yeah. NSC or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it was. National Security Council? Something like that. Whoever spies I'm, on us now is probably whoever's <laughs> listening to us right now as we speak. That's who you're talking they, about. Yeah. Maybe they can uh, email me and let me know. Is it NSA or NSC? Either way. But uh, but they were they were part of it. CIA was part of it. And um, found out about a lot of information. It's how we knew that Alger Hiss was a spy. It's how we knew that the Rosenbergs were spies. Um, anti-Semite. Was it also? Hmm? Was it anti-Semite? <laughs> you are. <laughs> How dare you? I'm not Rosenbergs a, I'm were. Not. Rosenbergs the were. Rosenbergs. They were innocent. I'm not an. I'm an anti-dentite. <laughs> not an anti-Semite. I'm. I'm Semitic. Believe it or not, I'm Semitic. It's unbelievable. You know that? Yeah, I'm Semitic. I'm from the Middle East. How could I not know that? You should know that. <laughs> the Jews do not exclusively own that title. Especially because you're right next to Israel, you're yeah. right on top. Yeah. Well, our my I'm sure my ancestor was uh, the 
the son of Noah, Sem, Shem, whatever his name was, which is where the word comes from, Semite. Shem. 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 Not Shem. Not Shem. Not Shem. Shem. <laughs> yeah. And it's Shem, S H E M, not S H I M. You had Japheth, Ham, and Shem. But that, that's where the Semite comes from. Okay. Uh, anyway, okay. So, um, yeah, now a lot of these, uh, these uh, cables were decrypted, and, or I should say declassified and published in 1995 after the Soviet Union fell. And it verified so many things, such as that the Rosenbergs and Alger Hiss were spies. Um, it discovered the Cambridge, there was something called the Cambridge Five, which was an espionage ring in the United Kingdom. And there were also Soviet spies within the Manhattan Project that gave the Soviets detailed information on the atomic bomb, which is why they were able to create one so quickly. Um, now, I'll, we'll bring up a little bit more about Alger Hiss mm -hmm. um, in a second, because uh, I want to mention a guy named Whitaker Chambers. Yeah. Uh, executive so, Order. I want to add something real quick. Yeah, go ahead. So there's a, uh, it was a little video I was watching. Um, it was called... It's done by the Cold War, which I think is done by the same. I want to say it's done by the same group who who did uh, the first, uh, or the Great War, um, which did just a rundown of from 1914 to 1919, and I think that they did a an actual five year thing um, on on YouTube. Great uh -huh. job, right? On the only, what is it about? The Great War, World War One. Um, okay. Now. I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of the fact that they, they didn't use a lot of different sources. They used just a few of the main sources, uh, prime, a couple of primary sources. And I'm not a big fan of only sticking to one, especially if you're doing a multi-year project. Um, but this guy was saying, and he sort of put it out there on this, the cold war one re regarding the Rosenbergs. Uh, he was quoting a, an operative more or less, from the Soviet Union, uh, not an operative, actually someone who worked within um, their Soviet Union Manhattan Project type of thing. And he's like, oh, we didn't get, their information was not even helpful. Uh, we, would have, we would have taken care of this. Uh, we would have made the atomic bomb regardless in this, in this time frame. Uh, so we didn't even really use their stuff. And he was saying it and quoting it as if, that was a counterpoint. And I'm like, really? So we're believing, <laughs> we're believing. Yeah. So why Soviets. did they have, why did they have spies? Why did they have spies within exactly. the, uh, yeah. you know, it's unbelievable. Just to yeah. show that you can have spies there. Like, come on. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So, but that's the source of well, information we're believing nowadays. Yeah. Believe the Soviets. Well, and, and now let's believe the communist party of China. Go ahead. All right. All right. Well, you know, we were so infested with so many spies mm -hmm. that uh, uh, Truman signed Executive Order 9835. Uh, it's known as Truman's Loyalty Order, which is really, you know, loyalty oath. And it was meant to, um, you know, get them out in the open. You know, you had to. I mean, we had. OK, I'm going to give you an example who we had in the government. Now, I mentioned Alger Hiss, Soviet spy. Now, there was a, another communist named Whitaker Chambers who, I guess he got disillusioned, and he was stating that, you know, Alger Hiss, he's a Soviet spy. Now, of course, the media, a lot of people on the left, defending Alger Hiss. They defended him all the way to the end. It wasn't until the Venona papers were declassified before finally people 
shut up and quit defending a night. He'll still have his defenders like Howard Zinn, who will say, okay, so men like uh, Alger Hiss and the Rosenbergs gave the Soviets all this information, such as the atomic bomb. Is it fair that only the United States has the atomic bomb? You know, that, that's how they can kind of justify it. Is it only, shouldn't the Chinese, the red Chinese have it too? I think that that's I mean, a great line of thinking. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how they were able to justify it. Um, so yeah, you had Whitaker Chambers, uh, there was something called the pumpkin, pumpkin papers or something like that. It's a famous episode regarding Whitaker Chambers. Yeah. Uh, read up on Whitaker Chambers. So good person. Now, Henry Wallace, Henry Wallace was the vice president under Franklin Delano Roosevelt from mm. 1941 to 45. Good man. Wallace he, had, were... uh, he was practically a communist himself. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of communist ideals. Um, I don't think he was a member of the Communist Party, but he might as well, he might as well should have been. Now, the Democrats knew that FDR was not going to survive his uh, fourth term. Mm-hmm. So they replaced Henry Wallace with Harry S. Truman. Dude, that was cutting it. That was cutting it really freaking close. Yeah. Because he yeah. died right after his fourth term started yeah yeah he did i mean uh let's see he took the oath ironically fdr i believe was the one because the the president used to take the oath of office in april was it not i can't march or april i can't remember before one of the amendments was written march or april was when the president would take the oath of office Mm -hmm. fdr moved it up to january 20th but in april was when FDR died, his first year in his fourth term. Yeah, Harry Truman. Harry Truman took over. So, um, yeah, that 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 was that was cutting it close. Now he ran against Harry Truman in 1948, the Progressive Party. Now he he along with Strom Thurmond, the Dixiecrats, and well, well, those three were the Democrats, and then you had Thomas Dewey, who was the 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 lone person on the right. That's why, you know, they thought Dewey would win because you've got three people on yeah. the left, Truman, Wallace, and Strom Thurmond, and then you had uh, Thomas Dewey on the right. And in, and according to the press, Dewey did win. Dewey defeated Truman. <laughs> <laughs> but no, somehow, you know, somehow uh, Truman pulled it off and he won. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, Henry Wallace almost, almost became the president of the United States. Uh, now, there was a guy by the name of Owen Lattimore. He wrote a lot of books. He knew he knew his stuff on China, Mongolia, stuff like that. But unfortunately, he was a huge communist sympathizer. Mm-hmm. Loved the Soviets, loved Mao. Um, now, when George C. Marshall uh, was trying to work with Chiang Kai-shek after, the war was, after World War II was over, Owen Lattimore advised George C. Marshall to tell Chiang Kai-shek, who was on the verge of defeating Maoist's army, to stand down, which he did. Unfreaking believable. Chiang Kai-shek could have annihilated the communists. Mm-hmm. Nope. Now, now, was that before or after the Long March? Or- uh, the Long March was was before World War Two. Okay. That was back in the 30s. Okay. So, so uh, yeah, Owen Lattimore, very influential in 
um, just, you know, abandoning Shanghai Shek. I mean, when we see stuff like this a lot where we abandon somebody, all right, let the communists take it. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, Truman had the, um, the Truman Doctrine to protect Greece and Turkey, which people like Alger Hiss, Henry Wallace, they objected to that. Fortunately, I'm glad Truman did that mm-hmm. uh, because that, that could have led to um, the domino theory Greece and Turkey falling, and then uh, India and Iran, which is something that uh, was even mentioned. You know, in fact, the Soviets occupied half of Iran during World War II, and they wouldn't leave until Truman threatened them. And I read somewhere that he threatened to drop a nuke on them if they didn't get out of Iran. Britain got out, but uh, the Soviets did not. So, like, hey, I already dropped two. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, now let's take a look at. Uh, people who who we have today, Howard Zinn. Okay. Howard Zinn is the big guy. He's the guy. He wrote a People's History of the United States. Mm-hmm. He formed the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Uh, John Lewis, the uh, congressman who the recently late passed. John Lewis. The late John Lewis. He was a member. The SNCC. Yep. The man pretty much if, if if you went to his funeral, that was the one place where COVID nineteen did not exist. That's correct. I loved That's that. That's correct. Uh, very, uh, very Marxist. Zinn Zin formed that group when yeah. he was at Spelman, Spelman College. Yeah. He formed that group because Spelman was, it was a black college to mm-hmm. teach uh, girls how to become ladies. Right. Uh, he went in there saying, you know what? No, you need to become violent, not violent. You need to become activists. Right. Why, why are you listening to the patriarchy? You need to, patriarchy, keyword. Yeah. Why are you listening to that? You need to become an activist and foment some sort of a, a uh, Marxist revolution. Mm-hmm. And he influenced the uh, the kids at Spelman College. But yeah, John Lewis was was a member. Heavily. A founding yeah. member of SNCC. And I, I, like, people need to pay attention to the names of these committees, these coalitions, these activist groups. It's, mm-hmm. it's all, it's in name only. Yeah. <laughs> everything else, now, is, now they, everything else is pretty much sinister about those types of groups, like yeah. activist groups. And I'm talking about on the left and the right. I don't like, I'll just be honest with you. I don't like activism. I don't like uh-huh. activism of any kind. I like just live your life. And unfortunately we live in a time where you just like, yeah, you, you almost have to be involved. And I hate that. But I'm not a fan of of any activist group. I feel very uncomfortable whenever left or right, like they just start talking all this. I'm like, you're losing me because you're too in. You're too in it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just me. Well, one of the things that uh, groups like the SNCC, Howard Zinn, let's talk about Howard Zinn mostly. Um, Howard Zinn follows the communist model. Saul Alinsky, lie, deny, deception. Here's why. You tell people a false history. You tell them a false narrative. Because the people that you're talking to, chances are they don't know the real history. Correct. And no one's going to call them out. Right. Okay. Um, you're an, you're two, an authority. You're an authority figure. So right. you're not going to you're not you know, going to question it. I've told parents that. That if your child is being told by their 
teacher who, according to, to them, they're, that's, that's the authority when it comes to education. They're the ones who are supposed to know what they're talking about. So when the parent confronts those teachings, those lessons, and says, no, that's not right. Well, you're just a, you know, small business owner, or you're an electrician, or you're whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. From your child's perspective, like, you don't know what you're talking about. My teacher, education, they know what they're talking about. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Not a lot of that going on as far as... Well, you know, they have their... You know, here's the thing is, is that uh, media accomplices are going to quickly defend mm-hmm. people like Howard Zinn. They like to use the word debunk. I hear that so often. I was... Um, you know, the, was it New York Times released like a list of names of people who died from COVID? And within that group of names are people who were killed in falling accidents, people who were shot to mm-hmm. death. Well, when when you talk about that, the first thing I hear from the people are, are some of my little lefty friends will go like, oh, I heard that was debunked. I've gotten a couple of articles that that was debunked. Yeah. Okay, so you get you have a media accomplice who sits there and say, "Oh, this this never happens. This is not true." Mm-hmm. That's part of the, the deceptive campaign that Correct. that these groups use. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's, um, it's give you, Soviet I'll give you another method. example. Right. It, it and it is a Soviet method. Give you an example. Dr. Mary Graybar was talking about this in her book, mm-hmm. uh, debunking Howard Zinn, where uh, the communists were competing with the NAACP in defending blacks. Um, you know, blacks would be falsely accused of, you know, raping, uh, white women, something like that. And, you know, the NAACP will go in there and, and do what they can to defend the black, the black men who are falsely accused or the black men who are falsely accused of, uh, causing a riot. The communists would go in there and would quickly, I mean, they would quickly set up shop and tell the judge you know, we have been called in to support these students when when the students nor their parents never asked for them that never asked for their help. And they would push the NAACP out. They would make sure that NAACP has no say in the mm-hmm. defense. And then the communists will turn around and say, well, the NAACP didn't even try to help these kids. Yeah. We're the ones who are trying to help. So so they're not only creating a, a scenario where they're pushing the NAACP out, but then they're saying, well, the NAACP didn't even offer to help. Yeah. And, and their websites like these communist party USA and different socialist workers party, they will uh-huh. really champion. We were there helping during the civil rights movement. Like, no, you're grandstanding and you're just, you were trying to, re- it was a recruiting. You were right. recruiting. You weren't working for freedom of people. You were just recruiting for yeah. the party. Yeah. They were working against the NAACP. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so, um, so that's part of the deceptive campaign. And, and you know, you can see that right now. Um, I'm going to get a little political here. I, surprise, surprise. Um, like with what went on with the, the, the COVID response at the beginning where President Trump put a ban on travel from China in place. And for two months... People like Pelosi and uh, the, the the New York Schumer. Health, yeah, Schumer and, and uh, De Blasio and, and people. Some of the the people at the health department in New York were saying, "Go to the China, there was China, some sort of a China parade, Chinatown parade." Yeah, and this was long after 
Trump put the whole uh, policy in place and then he tried to stop travel in Europe, they will turn around and say, you know, during the campaign, oh, Trump did nothing. Trump yeah. didn't take this seriously. Yeah. And no one's calling them out. And, and that's the type of deceptive campaign I'm talking about. I mean, so, certain things were put in place to protect us from COVID. Mm -hmm. But we're now being told by the very people who said, oh, that's all xenophobia, are now turning around saying, oh, we were the ones that were trying to warn the people. The president didn't take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't even listen. And like, yeah. Yeah. And like, they keep like... You know, I think a janitor walked by and said something to the president, and the president did not take his advice. And it's something as right. stupid as that. It's like, right. And, and they're going to write now, you know, and they fooled a lot of people. Now, imagine when they write the history books, what they're going to say. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the same thing with uh, what they did to Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill. I uh, grew up thinking having a negative view of Clarence Thomas growing up and guess right. what? Kids are going to have a very negative view of Brett Kavanaugh growing up. I, right. I, I saw just, it's probably about a month ago. I ran across an article. I was doing some research and it was a CNBC article and in there just, just randomly put in there Brett, Brett Kavanaugh who was, you know, hit with all of these sexual allegations and I'm like, that is exactly what they're going to put in the history books. Just a little right. subtle, you know, oh, by the way, he was, uh, but they won't give any clarification. No. No. And, and Hunter, people like Hunter Biden, you saw how they suppressed that information. And now, now it's finally coming out after the election. But, oh, yeah. But this is, what, this is what I'm talking about, where your willing accomplices, they will suppress. Mm -hmm. They will suppress information. You know, the uh, Twitter, Facebook. Facebook, I should call it, is how they suppressed that information. They would not even allow the New York Post to say anything about Hunter Biden. Yeah, they shut they shut them out. They locked them out of their own uh, Twitter account for yeah. two weeks. Oh, yeah, they're like, so, oh well, you know, we we you know, right. it, it's happening Noam, here. All right, so um, Noam Chomsky. Noam Chomsky is another person. He's the best. Um, yeah, not, you know, Noam Chomsky, Saul Alinsky. These are all heroes of the left. Mm -hmm. uh, Saul Alinsky wrote a book called Rules for Radicals I have a copy of it read it because that's the playbook that they are using correct okay. now George Orwell he wrote 1984 George Orwell was smart he wrote two very good books 1984 and Animal Farm mm -hmm. and he reached out to a lot of people I kind of think that that's how that, that's kind of how you're going to have to kind of play the game Everybody thinks 1984 is about Big Brother watching. No, that's not what Big. That's not what 1984 is about. Big Brother to watch you is just a method of of attaining what they're trying to do, which you'll read. It's like in the very la very last paragraph, the very last sentence is what 1984 is about. Mm -hmm. Just read the book. I'm not going to say what it is, but that, but I think that's going to be the method of how you have to reach out to kids nowadays. All right. Now, during the Red Scare, you had Senator Joseph McCarthy and you had the House Un-American Activities Committee. A lot of people sit there and they blame McCarthy on HUAC. Well, HUAC was the House. McCarthy was in the Senate. So to hear idiots sit there and say, oh, 
McCarthy and who, you know, no, McCarthy had nothing to do with HUAC. Mm -hmm. HUAC, was, in fact, was started really by a Democrat, a guy named Martin Dees, or Dies, but I think it's Martin Dees. Dees. Smells Dees. like Dies. I right? think he also, um, I think he came from the, uh, didn't he come from the, like the Dees family um, that, that I'm produced sure that, that produced nuts. <laughs> I was gonna say something about batteries die hard, but all right, that's funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got one. <laughs> All right, all right. You won that one. <laughs> you won that one, man. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, these was from Texas, you know. Oh, nice. Born and died. He died in Lufkin. So. Lufkin, so, hey, yeah. that's, that's where a bunch of my family is from. Lufkin? So, yeah. No, they're up in that area. Well, now, now the, uh, the HUAC went against... Um, you know, like uh, they exposed much of uh, like the uh, what was known as like the Hollywood Ten. Mm -hmm. uh, there was the uh, the blacklisting. Now there were groups that fought against um, Uwak. Uh, Humphrey Bogart comes to mind. Um, Captain Hepburn, people like that. Now there were people who supported Uwak, exposing the communists within the left, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the communists within Hollywood. Uh, let's see, uh, Ronald Reagan comes to mind, Walt Disney, um, uh, those, those guys, like the, the people, the big guys, uh, Mayer, the guys at MGM, those guys, uh, Warner, yeah. those guys were in support of exposing the communists that were within uh, Hollywood. And, you know, yeah, it did come, there was a blacklist that came out. And, you know, you, you know, your people like Danny Kaye and, and uh, Humphrey Bogart were sitting there defending the Hollywood blacklist. That the people who were blacklisted. In fact, uh, I heard, uh, Eli, was it your friend? You're a fan of Eli Kazar, Eli Kazar. What's that director who did uh, On the Waterfront? You know what I'm talking about? Who did On the Waterfront? <sighs> yeah. Who Wasn't did there, direct uh, that? That director, uh, Eli, Eli Kazar. I think that's the thing. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, I don't know. A, I can't yeah, remember. The, Do, 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 yeah, Elite Kazar. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't Elite, have been able to guess that. I don't even know who that is. Um, but I do love that movie. Yeah, well, he, uh, yeah, he, he was the, the the Hollywood liberal left. They did not like him, not at all. Really? Yeah. So uh, probably because now, you know, he, he made on uh, the waterfront Kazan, and, Kazan, Eli Kazan, and he was against uh, the unions. He's like, let a man work. Yeah, Elia Kazan. I remember when how many they gave times him are you going to say the same freaking name? Because they kept calling him Kazar, Elia Kazan. Okay, all right. Well, get it. You right. got it. Well, okay. Anyway, so Shazam. yeah, those whatever Shazam. All right. Now I'm going to give you some example of some people who supported communism. Now there was there was a famous guy by the name of Paul Robeson. He was famous then. He's not famous now. But Paul Robeson was one of the supporters of communism. Here's the name. Ever heard of Charlie Chaplin? No. Are you joking? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. Communist. Yes, he was. Or communist sympathizer. Yeah, yeah, definitely a communist sympathizer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sterling Hayden. You ever heard of him? You know who that guy is? Uh, I did look him up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Played uh, General Jack D. Ripper in Dr. Strangelove. And he was also Captain McCluskey in Godfather. He's the one that was having dinner with uh, with Michael. He was the protector of that, uh, was it Solozo or whoever that one guy was. And then Michael Colleone came in, came out of the bathroom with a handgun. And is this dinner. Godfather 2? No, Godfather 1. It's right before... Oh, uh, okay, okay. Oh, no. Remember no. that? What scene? He was, he was the old captain. Hmm? What scene was this? this? This is the scene where Michael Corleone blew away the police captain. He was the police captain. I'm trying to remember that scene. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. He was having, he was having dinner, goes to the bathroom, comes back. He has the gun. The gun was in the toilet. Comes back, oh, shoots. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. That That's that's Sterling Hayden. Sterling Hayden was a member of the Communist Party at one point. Now at, he at one point, he got out pretty He got out pretty quick. He got out, but then he regretted it. He was upset, and, and then he fell back into it. So he was upset that he had to speak out against, uh, against the Communists. So mm-hmm. anyway, okay. So now I mentioned this book here. Roger Scruton, mm-hmm. he asks, why is it that the, author- that the authorities studied in the humanities departments were all politically on the left? And he names a lot of names. One of them is uh, the guy, Jean-Paul Sartre. <laughs> but he mentions several names. Now, I, I'm, I was not familiar with all of them. I was familiar with the first guy, Eric Hobbs- Hobbsbaum, because I saw, you know, I'm a big fan of the Folio Society books. And yeah. They, they did like a four-volume series on, on some of his history. So Eric Hobsbawm, Ralph Miliband, E.P. Thompson, Jean-Paul Sartre, Michel Foucault. Is that how you say it? Foucault? Gilles uh, Deleuze. I think it's Foucault. Theodore. Huh? Theodore Adorno. Theodore Adorno. Gheorghe Lukacs. Jürgen Habermas, Antonio Gramsci, Alain Badiou, and Slavaj Zizek. 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 I love that guy. So he says those are like some of the people that the humanities department just didn't love. Mm-hmm. Have you ever have you ever watched uh, Slavaj speak? Any of his uh, like he'll he'll he speaks everywhere. Um, is, is Isaac guy? Yeah. Have you ever no, watched never, him? You have nope. got to watch one. I do enjoy his, his talks. Uh, it's not that I agree mm-hmm. with, um, everything that he says, but there is, there's a number of things that I, I agree with what he says. He claims, here's what's strange is that he claims to be a Marxist, not a Marxist. He claims to be a communist. Um, and he was speaking at, I think it was some, Either it was a college or a libertarian institute or something along those lines, but it was a libertarian group, right? And the guy was like, when he when he was talking, he goes, "You don't sound like a communist." He's like, "I think that you are a libertarian." <laughs> you know, it was a big joke or whatever. Um, 
but it is, uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's well, very know. interesting, and in the and his he's constantly rubbing his nose. He's very strange, very strange. Well, Noam Chomsky considers himself a socialist libertarian. Mm-hmm. Well, there you I mean, go. libertarian's a big umbrella. I consider myself a conservative. Yeah, it is. Libertarian. It is ex- extremely, and I think people need to be careful of that. Like. As yeah. I run into people who say, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I vote for libertarians, different stuff like that. And I think that's that's fine and that's good. We've had libertarians on the show. Uh, one of them would be Connor Boyack. Uh, he's he, He's been on the show. You know, I'm a big fan of Milton Friedman, guys like that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, Dr. Richard Epstein. But... Did he, was it, he the one who killed himself? No, Richard Epstein did not kill himself. <laughs> He was murdered. Um, but it is, it is like you said, it is a large umbrella that is getting too large to where it's like, now you're encompassing conservatives and liberals. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You have to, you got to figure it out what uh-huh. you are. You just can't say I'm a libertarian because I was wanting to vote for some libertarians this past election. And I went and looked at the people on the list who were libertarian. I was like, dude, you're freaking further left than the than the Democrats yeah. who are running. So it was yeah. you oh. got to be really careful. Just because they have a an yeah. L on their yeah. name does not mean they're actually a libertarian. Yeah, I mean Bill Maher, he's he's a libertarian, or so he says. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there are some things that I agree with him on, such as right. free speech, but much of the other stuff that he espouses, I don't, I don't support. Right. And, I mean, God bless him, or or. And look, Bill Moore, I like or, a lot of or, the things that he says, yeah. and like I said, the the slavage Zizek, I like it a lot of the things that he says. But you're not going to agree with everything. Even Jordan Peterson, yeah. who's one of my personal heroes nowadays, I don't agree with everything that he says. I, oh, I bought his book. I bought his book based on your suggestion. I, you know, I, I sat and I listened to him on YouTube. I really like what he has to say. Correct. Um, but I saw your suggestion, and, and uh, I got his 14, um, 12. 14 points. 12. No, you're, no, that's Woodrow Wilson's book. That's true. Okay. <laughs> Not a big fan of him. No. Uh, you know, he, he's a bit, bit of a racist. Bit of a racist, but the 14 points, he, I think he was on to something. Twelve, yeah, the twelve things to make your life better, or whatever. Yeah, twelve rules there. for life. All right, let's move there on. There you go. All right, we got through right. your 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 uh, List. Hollywood okay. twelve. Right now, let's talk about BLM and Antifa. Just touch on them. Both of them communist. Right. The BLM organization started by three communists. Marxist. Communists. Trained. Yes. Trained Marxists. Trained Marxists. Antifa. Boy, they love to carry around that hammer and sickle. Mm-hmm. So, but, but hey, God, they're just hey, an idea. They're, hey, just, an they're idea. just an idea. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. Ha- they're gonna carry around that hammer and sickle. But by God, they're not gonna do any work. All right. Now, Barack okay. Hussein Obama. So, so you're not gonna laugh at that joke. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know the the D's nuts. Those that that was you can't get any better than that. Well, I'm not trying. You, to, I'm you, not trying to top myself. You've raised the bar up here on these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> now all your other jokes are down here. Uh, so you're gonna have to come. You're gonna have to come up with something better. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be hard. That's not. This gonna is be why. You, this is why you tell the best joke at the end and then you leave the room. Well, you set you me know, up, man. You put it on a tee. 
George Costanza, that's something that he uh, he's felt that that you know when you when you have on a high note, you gotta leave. leave. You gotta go. You gotta leave. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Barack Hussein Obama. Yeah. Could you stop Moderate. clapping? Cl- stop clapping your Moderate. hands. Okay. Moderate, correct? Extremely moderate. Yeah, going fun- to fundamentally you know, change America. I'm a moderate. Raised by communists. Yes, yeah. his, his Kenyan father was a communist uh, who met uh, his mother, who was a radical leftist in a Russian language class. Um, now, Stanley Dunham, who was his uh, white grandfather, uh, chose a notorious, I'm reading, I'm reading off this, chose a notorious member of the Communist Party to be Obama's mentor. His name was Frank Marshall Davis. Now he wrote, Obama wrote in his memoir that in college, he also sought out Marxist professors. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Frank Marshall Davis was a yeah, huge impact on, on Obama. But it doesn't end there. Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, he voted for the communists. Now he was uh, he wasn't an official member of the Communist Party, but but he did uh, he did vote uh, for the communists. Mm-hmm. Now J- James Comey was he a communist? James Comey, yeah, that was he, that was revealed uh, too that he he voted communist. Uh, he said, well, he said that he voted for Reagan after he left the Communist Party. Um, and he's like, now I don't even, I don't know what you could call me politically. Like, so we had under Obama, uh, we had about, the CIA. A sorry, no good piece of crap. Like a, a, a yeah. double, a, a second version of J. Edgar Hoover. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. So under Obama, the CIA director was, was once a communist and the FBI director was once a communist. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. You know who else was a communist or at least uh, was involved in that? Sorry. Quit I don't. freaking clapping your hands. Damn it. I'm trying to... Damn it, Jim. (laughs) All right. David Axelrod. Yeah, damn it, Jim. I'm a clapper, not a communist. (laughs) James Clapper? David Axelrod. David Axelrod, the chief strategist for Obama's presidential campaigns and a senior advisor in the White House. His mother worked for a communist newspaper. His father, according to Axelrod in his memoir, listed his party officially party officially affiliation as thank you as a communist axelrod got his start in chicago politics through working for a hardline stalinist soviet agents harry and david Cantor. you know who else were communists wasn't bill ayers and uh his girlfriend whatever that weren't they communist bill ayers they were I don't know. Was it Ayers? Whatever that Ayers but guy. Here's here's something also interesting. Thomas Sowell started out as a as a Marxist. So did um, David Horowitz. Mm-hmm. And yeah, s- yeah. There's a there's I a didn't few know Tom, I didn't there's know a Thomas few Sowell. prominent yeah there's a few prominent uh, conservatives um, mm. who started out as um, it, it it is the disillusionment. You know, you finally become disillusioned. You're like, man. This ain't what it's all about. So it is. It is interesting. It it really does depend on, you know. It's it's. I guess you could use the line, "Not how you start, it's how you finish," right? Mm-hmm. 
So there's a lot of people when they were when they are young, they're so impressionable, and that's what that's what communism goes after. They go after the right. young students. Uh, that's right. what that's what Howard Zinn wanted to do. Is like I need to go after but, the students. But here's the thing: Thomas Sowell and David Horowitz, mm-hmm. they now lash out against. Oh yeah, communism. no, I, I get it. No, and that's what I'm saying. You yeah, can not, you can these, see the fruit uh-huh. from these trees. And you can right. see if there is like still communism connected to some some of these fruit trees. All right. All right. Valerie Jarrett, senior advisor. Uh, her, her late father, James Bowman, was involved with communist front groups and was in contact with a paid Soviet agent in the 50s who was wanted for espionage. Her maternal grandfather, Robert wrote. Rochon Taylor, I wonder if that's the actor, was investigated by the FBI for his membership in communist groups and his business relationship with the same Soviet agent. Her late father-in-law, Vernon Jarrett, was assigned by the Communist Party USA to a special cultural art arts cell, flagged by the FBI as an internal security risk, uh, swiftly arrested in the event of a heart, where is it? Uh, he, he was to be swiftly arrested in the event of a war with the Soviet Union. Um, FBI also investigated his wife, Bernetta Fern Jarrett, for communist activities. Susan Rice, Obama's national security advisor. That's the one that told us that that, uh, that deserter served with distinction and also said that the attacks in Benghazi were uh, based on a video. Yeah. Not just, it was a protest, right. not a terrorist attack. Right. Um, she was involved in the Russia collusion hoax against President Trump and wrote a 426-page dissertation praising as a model and a masterpiece in the evolution of international peacekeeping the political ascendancy of Zimbabwe's Marxist dictator Robert Mugabe. In her dissertation, Rice lauded Mugabe as a pragmatic, intelligent, sensible, gentle, balanced man who possessed considerable patience and restraint. You know, the the World Health Organization actually uh, appointed Robert Mugabe as its um, global ambassador until everyone flipped out and was like, are you the stupidest freak on earth? Like, this guy is an absolute terror to his own people. (laughs) Well, it also goes to show you where the World Health Organization leans. It's Andy such Obama a it's such a joke, man. Yeah. How people just they don't see no, not, what yeah. the hell's going on. No, no, they don't. Because you know what, what's that saying that uh, one of the devil's greatest tricks is, is convincing, convincing people he doesn't exist. Yeah, right. Well, That's you know it. the the Soviet, the communists, the greatest trick that they're doing right now is their their deception. Hey, we're not a threat. Yeah. Communism, communism ended in uh, 91 when the Soviet Union fell. <laughs> We're not done. Frank Marshall Davis, I mentioned him, pro-Soviet, pro-Red China communist. Biggest influence on Obama's black identity from age 10 through his college years. Card mer- car- he was a card-carrying member of the Communist Party. His number, according to the FBI, 47544. Look it up. <laughs> yep. Reverend. Jeremiah Wright. Love that guy. Obama's pastor and personal hero and mentor was an avowed Marxist. I got his sermons on DVD. 
do you? <sighs> I, I, I felt uplifted by his speeches. I really oh, did. Oh, absolutely. I listened to them for 20 years. But ne- ne- I don't recall him ever saying anything negative about the United States, do you? Yeah, nothing, nothing. Uh, big fan of George Washington. His uh, church congregants had to sign a pledge to, just to support redistribution of wealth and reject middle-classness. Hmm, interesting. David Marinus. Also Washington known as Post. the bourgeoisie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. David Marinus. Washington Post journalist chosen to write Obama's biography, which covered up his radical past. His father was a member of the Communist Party and worked through a cell in Detroit to secretly influence workers through his articles for the Detroit Times. Hmm. You know, now we have a, um, it looks like now, granted, the electors have not voted, but it looks like Obama's successor is about to take the oath of office with the uh, most radical left-wing senator in, in the Senate? to the left to the left of Bernie Sanders is if about that's to even be the possible vice yeah yeah is about to become vice president and she is uh, one fragile weak heartbeat away from being president of the United States she is one German shepherd away from <laughs> becoming president. So that's where we are. Yeah. And so now to answer that question, did we win the Cold War? No. In fact, we are losing bad. Mm-hmm. And unless things change, uh, we will be drinking uh, victory vodka. And we probably won't even have this show. We'll be, have to be called the Comrades of History. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And people may think, wait a minute, the the wall fell in 89, Soviet fell in 91. What are you talking about? Of course, of course we won. It's like, no, 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 no. Communism is about infiltration. It's about subversion. It's about getting, overtaking from the inside. And it's utilizing all of the methods, which would be, getting into academia, absolute success, getting into politics, success, getting into entertainment, absolute success. And now you've gotten into big business where, you know, the the communications, absolute success. Like the the media, not only the, uh, yeah. Well, not only the, you're talking about Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. Google, yeah. where stories are trending, but also Fox News now is no longer a conservative. Uh, it's not a place for, for you to hear the other side. They're going to start, you know, they're going to start following the way the New York Times, ABC, CBS, right. NBC, CNN, MSNBC, they're going to go the same way. Yeah. Uh, and- all, all the guys that were of the conservative leaning are, mm-hmm. are gone. And people yeah. will people will call you out on that and be like, "Oh my God, Alan, don't overreact." No, no, no. Here's here's how this works and how it has worked for all of the other outlets. Just in case you haven't really been paying attention, it's slow. You take one out, you take two out, you replace a third one. Then you slowly but surely you're like, "Oh, 
Well, that's that's a left-leaning media outlet. Well, now it is, but it wasn't before. Well, what's happening in, on Fox, which was a conservative news outlet, you see dropping one, two, three, and eventually, eventually, in however many years it may take, may take a year, may take five years, you'll be saying, oh, that's a, that's a left-leaning uh, media outlet. It's just the way of the. It's just the way. It, it's the way it trends. What, it's very strange. What is it uh, nowadays? Um, kids coming out of school, I believe, 60 percent have a favorable opinion to socialism. They did their job. Yeah, they did. They've done. They did their job. A fantastic job. I've got. I probably have more friends that, to an extent, despise American history and the founding fathers then don't, or at yeah. least don't, they have more bad to say than good, or they don't right. know really anything at all, except, well, they were slave owners. Yeah. That's, that's, well, dis- that's disturbing. Yeah. They have, and that, and that's one of the, the ideas is you have to destroy a nation's history. And Marxist wrote that in his book, communist manifesto, the present dominates the past not the past dominates the present howard zinn howard zinn has nothing good to say about any of our founders Mm -hmm. none right nothing uh the 16 the 1619 project Mm -hmm. you know i'm glad uh dr graybar is going to write a book uh there's another book that i had just purchased which she endorsed um, I don't remember the name of it, but um, but it's been out and it, and it, and it defends the uh, the 1619 project. I'm sorry, it it, it speaks out against the 1619 project. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I I know I know Dr. Graybar, uh, Dr. Graybar. Uh, I can tell you the name of the book here in one second. Okay. It's called 1620: A Critical Response to the 1619 Project by Peter Wood. Okay. Yeah, because there's been there's been a couple of uh, pieces come out um, refuting mm-hmm. the sixteen nineteen project, and that's the thing is, dude, you gotta not be afraid to refute it. Right. And and if you don't know, or maybe you maybe you view history in the pers- in in the viewpoint of negativity, like American history in the viewpoint of negativity, and only negativity negativity. Well, you may need to question that because there's a, this country was built on good, on good ideas. It does not mean that we did everything right or perfect. No, obviously not. And I hate having to, I hate having to like correct or or preface with that because people Will, if you say America was built on good Christian principles. Oh, yeah, well, you're forgetting. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not forgetting. So enough. En- enough. Like, we get it. We can combine all of it and say, this is the history of this country. And let's take the good. Remember the good and the bad. Don't replicate the bad. Replicate the good. Continue right. the good. 
and don't be an a-hole and only right. bring up the bad. Right. So, well, you know, it's, it's based on the ideals that that's what our country is based on, exactly. not on the lives of yeah. Washington or, you know, I, I mean, and that's why we person... say that America is an, it is an idea. It is a, a continuance of an idea of the promise of freedom, the promise of personal freedom. Right. So yeah, let's, it, let's go and end the show, brother, because we could be talking all night. Um, yeah, yeah. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as we always do, we like to end on a scripture. And we've been giving out names. We've been naming names uh, from history on up to the present. Um, boy, I'm, I'm sure some of your, your buddies are going to like your ending on the, <laughs> the Obama administration. So, all right, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 12 says this, and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, so, or, and correct you. So, yeah, we need to know those who labor among us, who work beside us. Um, and it, we're not going on the scale of someone like an AOC who's, you know, advocating for getting a list of names together. Uh, we're talking about no people who, who, who labor among you and who may think completely different from you. And don't be afraid of having those conversations. And don't be afraid of saying, hey, you're wrong. Or saying, hey, you're right. Now that's, I mean, that sometimes that's hard to do. But sometimes somebody's just right. Right. <laughs> so, all right, Alan, where can people find us? They can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you, my friend, have your Thursday night live chats. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get my Tuesday night history restarted again. Um, been brutally beaten at work 12 hour days. 12 so hour days, 12 hour 12, days. I, literally, man. like last Friday. Look, I, I don't worked, envy you. <laughs> I, worked at, I worked 12 and a half hours. I did take half hour lunch. So, but yeah, I mean, I came home. I couldn't even work out. I was just complete. I sat on the couch and I just stared at the TV. Watch Tombstone. There you go. Loved it. Great movie. Great movie. So uh, yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah, but yeah, uh, once things slow down a bit at work, I'm, I'm trying to get back up. To, uh, I might, tr- I might do a Tuesday. I might, if I have the energy, I'll try to do a Tuesday night history uh, and talk about the uh, Tombstone. What happened in Tombstone? I think it's a pretty interesting story. There you go. So I'll see if I have the energy. But you've got your Thursday night live chats um, on Instagram, 9 p.m. Central, and um, yeah. So. I don't know what you, what are you planning on talking about? Or have you, uh, have what, you am I ta- what am I going to talk about this week? I don't know. Okay. Now we are looking at also me, you and Jared doing a little road trip mm-hmm. and, uh, filming around Texas where the Texas uh, revolution took place. Yeah, I don't so know when that, we're going to release that. Yeah. So if that happens, um, I'll be doing uh-huh. the live show on Thursday night with y'all. That'd be cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be releasing anything on the Texas Revolution until, you know, yeah. February, March, April. Right. But uh, but we'll we're going to start taping, so that that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yep, we'll be all right, ladies and gentlemen. So oh, if you oh, haven't wait, yet, wait, hold on, hold on, you're I really forgot. irritating me. This show, I forgot. We have our own website, www.thesonsofhistory.com. Take it away. 
Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. What a friend. All right. Now that, that brings our show to an end. But if you can, if you haven't yet, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are really moving up and we will soon be able to live stream on YouTube. So that'll be great. Uh, I know we haven't been pushing that as, as hard as we need to. Um, and also, if you haven't, like, or no, I was going to say like and subscribe, but no, that would be wrong. Leave a rating and review here on this podcast, whatever you're listening to. That does us a huge fave. Yep. All right. Are you done, sir? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Okay. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I hope you have a great week, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have a wonderful week, and we will chat with you later. Mm-hmm.